0: In all honesty, I feel like having you as my cousin has opened up what my realm of possibility is. Just because, of course, people know you by your impact in music and culturally, but thinking about moments from going to Harvard for the first time and not realizing that that was a space I could be in until I was there with you, or conversations we have at our annual family Thanksgiving, I think... There's are so many moments in which I realized I grew up feeling like so much was possible. I mean, I grew up listening to I Can, and so the way that has had the kind of ripple effect in my life of only retroactively being like, oh, the reason why I feel like everything is achievable is because I've seen it in front of me.
1: This is Nas. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop.
2: Hey everyone, it's Minya O, aka Miss Info. Yara Shahidi is a young woman on a mission. As an actress, we've watched her grow up on screen as Zoe on Blackish and its spin off Grownish. But off camera, she's fully committed to her studies at Harvard University. And yet, with all of these accomplishments, Yara is open hearted and self aware in a way that speaks to a remarkable upbringing. So maybe it's no surprise that Yara is actually Naz's little cousin. Their mutual love and admiration shines through in this conversation as Yara shares stories of her bond with Naz's daughter, Destiny, and the vision that she has for her generation.
3: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello. Help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. The
1: youth have a great responsibility. They have it in their power to make a difference. That youthful energy is what has always driven hip-hop. But even beyond hip-hop, it's the young minds who become truth seekers who we should look to and support. I'm proud to say that my cousin, Yara Shahidi, is a young, strong woman who has challenged herself to make the world a better place. She has excelled in her acting career and studies. But she's also ventured out into activism. And I can't wait to see her keep growing both mentally and spiritually.
2: What was your mom's Nas bop? That was her jam. Like, that was the one that
1: she loved, like, the most. (laughs) I could just text her and ask.
0: (laughs) I can tell you currently, though, 27 summers before a work day, Mm. is is how we go into the work day
1: <laughs> that's what's up,
2: yo, that's so nice. Doesn't that make you feel so happy like
1: <laughs> and, yeah, and old oh, twenty seven summers, man, like old in a good way
2: mm-hmm.
1: I saw Yara grow from this precious kid to her and her siblings, all amazing, her dad, that's my guy, yeah, so just to see things turn out so great for you, Yara, has been the best ever because you become an inspiration to me as well as the world. I've run into people that know that we're related and they like, yo, you know, your cousin is this and she said that and Mm -hmm. she's such an inspiration and an example Mm -hmm. for young people and people my age and older. So welcome to the situation here. I know it's different For me, this is new for me to be doing interviews, but it's something I always wanted to do. Talk to interesting people such as yourself. So let's talk.
2: Yara, the podcast name is The Bridge. And Mm -hmm. we're celebrating the fact that hip hop and the people in it have had like 50 years of this incredible impact on the world. I mean, it's definitely Mm -hmm. the most powerful global movement In keeping with the bridge, you sort of represent the next generation. What are your thoughts about the fact that hip-hop has been here and been so impactful for 50 years?
0: Hmm. Great question. Well, I mean, I am inspired. The fact that there's this 50-year mark in celebration, just the history nerd in me, having had the chance to to understand the role and kind of evolution of sampling, thinking about hip-hop as an art form that literally carries its history with it. I don't know how many other forms of art you can say do that in both literal and figurative ways. So I think it's impactful to think about in the carrying forward of hip hop, how many black art traditions are being carried forward in it and seeing the way in which it continued to set the tone and in many ways been the anchor for so much of our other art. (laughs) The question is, what's hip hop doing? And then the world kind of just shifts around it to either mimic or get in line. Facts. Right.
2: Yara, we want to find out from you who we should talk to because Yara's kind of like on the low, like, youth A&R. She really is on it. I saw this playlist that you put together and I was like, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, no, I have fun. But all of that really gets filtered through my other brother, Saeed. I think at one point, I texted him last week, like, don't judge me, just add songs. Got it. It's a mix of both. It's a competition in the household, actually, because he's offended that our parents align with my taste in music more because he thinks he earned that title in the house.
2: You guys are both in competition to put your parents Mm. on.
0: Are they down with Keem? (laughs) Are they listening to Baby Keem? (laughs) Actually, though, (laughs) I went to uh, Keem's drop party. And it's funny because Mommy only knows him. We did did something for PG Lang and Uh Kendrick Way Back when uh, Mommy met them. That video. Yeah. Yeah. And what was so funny, though, (laughs) is that she... She's only met him as like this nice young man. So she's like, I really want to hear some of his songs. I was like, oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's wait for a second. Did she see the other video that he
0: did with Kendrick? Um, I don't know if she's seen the whole thing. She's listened to the song. We've played the song a bit, but it was so funny because she only knows him as this really upstanding young man we had a great day on set with. Polite, sweet. Which is true. That still stands. That assessment still stands. Uh-huh. I wonder what she thinks of you. What does Yara's mom think
2: of you?
1: Oh, we're cool, though.
2: Yeah. You're more like contemporaries, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She always knew my music because it was her age. Mm -hmm. Right. It was what it was.
0: And had it playing since we were little, little. Who really
2: has it today? What are you inspired by?
0: Isaiah Rashad, his album, and I really liked him. We were just talking about Keem. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Who I listen yeah. to.
2: Did you like Baby Keem and then you guys met? How did you end up in the video with him and P.G. Lane?
0: My friend Taco introduced us at because I think the one thing, too, is I love the fact that I come from a musical family. And so music has always been I don't do much outside. I have no desire to leave the house most times. But concerts and live music have always been my absolute favorite thing. And so my friend Taco introduced me to his music a while back. And then we met at (laughs) Camp Flogna or something.
2: Oh, Tyler's thing.
0: Yeah. So everyone there already knew and had already been listening to his stuff. So he came in about to introduce himself. And we're like, we we know. We already know. We all listen. So we had met that way. And then I'm trying to think it was really through a connection with Dave Free, Mm -hmm. their director, and then talking briefly to Kendrick in which that kind of stuff came about. So we'd only met briefly before, but I do have to say I started listening prior to us meeting.
1: He's
2: dope. There's like a whole youth movement, like energy in L.A. between Tyler and all the TDE or Kendrick, Dave, Keem. Yeah, Keem is that one. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, L.A. got a serious rap scene. Yeah. It's amazing, like the generations that we talk to from... The early, early days to the day when I started to what's happening now, it's like...
2: Do you sometimes feel like a disconnect? Like where people are buzzing about an artist and you're like, I don't even know who that is. Or you listen to them and you're like, I don't see what they see in them. Like, nah, it's like for you.
1: I think that probably happened to me maybe about five, six, seven years ago when I was like, I don't really know... But since then, it it hasn't. It's like, okay, this is great. I like catching up.
2: Did you get into like a comfort zone where you would only listen to what you already knew and liked? And then you kind of realized, I'm behind?
1: I realized I was behind with a lot of art. Not just... uh,
2: Not just hip-hop.
1: Not just hip-hop. I started to just drift into my own little world. So a lot of things...
2: What snapped you out of it? Like, was it someone who kind of was like, yo, you're not I don't, I don't not
1: think up. I snapped out of it. I think I feel like, <laughs> I feel like um, I don't have to think about it anymore because okay. my friends, they play music. They play Lil Dirk, They play everything that they're feeling and I, I get it as yeah. soon as I hear it. A couple of years ago, I was like, oh wait, things are really changing and it's about to really keep changing, but I like that.
2: I wanted to know back in the day when you guys were getting together, was Yara's dad, who, from what I understand, he was Prince's personal photographer. So were you trying to get tidbits from him or, like, really asking Mm -hmm. him questions? Were you curious about that?
1: Very curious. So
2: tell me what what those conversations were like.
1: Oh, man. I mean, Prince, I grew up to Prince. So Prince is one of the Mm -hmm. most talented souls that ever came across this planet. So the fact that Cuz is near him, with him, I didn't even understand it. Yeah, because the mystery and the enigma around that. I mean, that, yeah. this guy is Prince. But I got it. Who doesn't like her dad? I get it. Oh. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> mean? And it just made sense. Because mm-hmm. at meeting Prince, he's always been super mysterious, but down to earth. Yeah. So her dad got me in a Prince party or two. Like oh, a, a few the par- plug. There was one in Beverly Hills that yeah. he got me in. And um, Prince had this house. And he was jamming, and everybody was there, comedians. And I remember mm-hmm. I, I saw Dave Chappelle at this party, Chris Rock, Mike Epps, and about four other comedians. And it was like huh. an intermission when Prince would stop playing for a while. They would go up? No. There was a lounge-like area okay. outside. So Prince would change his clothes, and they'd give people a break or whatever. And all these comedians are right here, right? But nobody's talking. <laughs> And I'm like, geez, all these guys are, like, not looking at each other. And I'm like, this is wild. are so comedian I, I said, dynamic. I said, yo, how is everybody sitting here and not speaking? And then Chris Rock's like, hey, you know, he's said, say what's up to Dave. Hey, what's up, Dave? And uh-huh. everybody started kind of—but Prince would have this type of crowd around. Yeah, so I had met Prince years ago, but it was just cool to have that connection. And there's a book out that her dad put out.
2: Oh,
0: tell us yeah. about that. Y'all. Not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, that was— Oh, Prince of Private View. And it's just talking about, you know, I think my bubble is just figuring out how to best honor his image. And, and so putting out something that felt representative of their time together, people could gauge from who he is, but may not know the depths of is just how grounded, just how family oriented he was. It's so surreal thinking back on experiences of being like okay, when he was in London, I was in London, question mark. Mm. (laughs) My brother and I are in the Hawaii book that they have of that concert because I think a lot of people that worked with him, it was a family affair. So even knowing the kids of the other people that worked alongside him was something that happened because that was the kind of environment that was fostered. And even uh, my mother at the time was my Bubba's camera assistant. I consider her, tangent, a professional professional. Her capacity... (laughs) To do so much really well is something that astounds me regularly. Mm. And I feel like every day I uncover like another past life that informs why she's just so good at what she does.
1: She could tell me things in one sentence, like trying to figure something out. She'll say something in one sentence and fix what I was thinking about.
0: Wow. And
1: it's just natural and cool.
0: Mm -hmm. She's always said like there's nothing more interesting than an interested human. And I feel like that unlocks so much of how she operates in that she is so interested in the world. And so the amount of knowledge she collects by being interested means that situations will arise and she'll just have this kind of wealth of knowledge to refer back to, not from things that anyone has necessarily verbatim taught her, but just from paying that much attention. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) but I say that to say she was at times camera assistant and they were working together and my brother and I were traveling alongside. And I remember in Paisley Park to this day, there's a headshot of mine at like the age of seven and it says to Mr. Prince, love Yara. And so to think about the ways in which, I mean, I can't even kind of put into words what that impact was again, talking about possibility and the way People's possibilities are defined by what's around them. Well, yeah.
1: First order business, dog. I gotta stay my mama. Second order business, shout out blessings, no more trauma. Third order business, do good decent, get good karma. First order business, get this money to my shorty. Loyalty and gratitude, the only thing you swear me you be
0: the person
3: that's going to love me in my 40. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
2: Well, Yara, just to show you how far back we go, when I was like a college intern at The Source magazine, I actually reviewed Ilmatic. So, oh, wow. yeah, so that's how our paths first crossed. And so for us to come full circle is really ill. but. I just think when Nas talks about you or to you, yo, you light up in a different way. It's like a pride and a joy. I'm sure that you've probably seen Yara, but if you can kind of tell (laughs) us, like, the fact that you guys are related, number one says something about genetics. (laughs) That's really (laughs) ill. Because you also have so much other talent in your family. But what's it like to just have, you know, old cousin Nas, like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, I feel like having you as my cousin has opened up what my realm of possibility is. Just because I think, of course, people know you by your impact in music and culturally, but thinking about moments from going to Harvard for the first time and not realizing that that was a space I could be in until I was there with you, or conversations we have at our annual family Thanksgiving, I think... There are so many moments in which I realized I grew up feeling like so much was possible. I mean, I grew up listening to I can. And so the way that has had the kind of ripple effect in my life of only retroactively being like, oh, the reason why I feel like everything is achievable is because I've seen it in front of me. And so I haven't had to go through that obstacle of not even realizing what my potential could be or could have been. Wow. Yeah. So. You
2: guys went to Harvard
0: together, like, to visit? Yeah. Tell me about that. It was announcing your fellowship. So okay. So
1: we were announcing my uh, Nasia Jones Hip Hop Fellowship at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And my family came and my daughter and everybody, and we was checking it out. And it was like, I think it was my first time at Harvard, too. So it was just a great experience and seeing what, what it was all about. Yeah. I was honored with that fellowship and... We help kids get in there and into the school.
0: I mean, I've been in class with Nasir
2: Jones fellows. Yeah. Wow. By getting that fellowship, do you also have, like, a concentration in learning about hip hop?
0: Harvard has this thing called the Hip Hop Archive that started uh, with this awesome professor, Professor Morgan. And she's the one really in charge of archiving it. But yeah, it is carving out a space. She comes from kind of this interdisciplinary space of anthropology and arts. And so it is people literally writing on the impact of hip hop and and different forms of engaging with the art form. So one of my first classes was, again, a full circle moment. So after visiting and you letting me tag along at 13, which importantly was when I met the Brown And Black community at Harvard, which was when I was like, oh, wow, we exist here. One of the first classes that I took was with Ninth Wonder because I saw him at Sweet Chick. We were both about to get ready to go to Harvard. (laughs) And he was like, I'm teaching this year. Oh my
2: God. What is, what is Professor Ninth Wonder like? Like, what is the class?
0: He's great. It was with him and Professor Morgan and it was talking about like the history of sampling. My final project was on Ghostface Kill's Iron Man. And that was when I was in class with Nasir Jones Fellows, which was just so cool because it had been, I mean, at that point, I think five years later, being able to to see that as a high schooler and then to see the continued impact coming in as a student.
1: That's incredible. (laughs) Yo. And you nailed it. You got in there because of What you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And shout out to Professor Morgan, incredible Mm -hmm. person, and to all the Nasir Jones Fellows. Wow, that's a story. You working with Eddie Murphy in the movie, imagine that. (laughs) I, I remember Carrie saying, You were so young that you didn't even know how crazy his career how great, Mm -hmm. iconic his career was because he was so young. I think he did Shrek at the time.
0: Yes. The only thing mommy said, because, you know, I I don't know how many times I auditioned for that. And halfway through it, again, just because of how my parents operated, we're like, ah, not sure about movies. We went, we traveled, forgot about it, and they still wanted to see me when we came back. And the only thing she said, because I was about to go and to read with him, was that, yeah, he's the voice of the donkey in Shrek. <laughs> and he's gonna remind you a lot of your uncle.
1: Which uncle? Oh, Kevin.
0: Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Those are <laughs> the only two observations perfect. I had going in. That it. is
1: perfect, right? Really? There. Is that
2: accurate? <laughs> yes, yes, one hundred
1: percent. One hundred percent. When did you know you wanted to act? Like by what age? Mm. when did you know that you liked it?
0: I'm trying. I mean, we started in printed commercials, and I think what was fun about that was that it was literally a hobby. It fit in with the rest of our lives. And if anything, was the reason that we were getting to travel so much at whatever time. I was still in school full time. Me, mommy, Saeed were in so much. I remember when Blackish first aired, the first commercial that came after it was with mommy and my littlest brother Esan. Because <laughs> people would literally just kinda of call it Shahidi TV because we were in so many commercials. Oh my Every god. Every time really? I would turn on the
1: television. <laughs> I would see them on a commercial. And i call Car- yeah. I
0: just saw your commercial. <laughs> oh, I just saw mm-hmm. your commercial.
1: Yeah, facts. It was the coolest thing.
0: Yeah, and so we started that way and it was just something that we enjoyed doing. And like it, it took investment, but I didn't necessarily even correlate it to like wanting to have a career in acting. So much wow. so that when they called for Imagine That, I had said no the first couple times. Because I was like, why? I love commercials. I love what I do. Huh. But the one perk of being taught to read at a young age was they gave me the script at seven and I read the script and I was like oh this is interesting I, huh. I mean I'm sure it was less cordial than that but <laughs> um it was about this is interesting
2: <laughs> seven I'm seven, seven years, years old, <laughs> old. <laughs> that's amazing I mean it's Shahidi now, tv like Shahidi full takeover TV,
1: that sounds like a whole network yep. that sounds like something <laughs> that should happen right. and then blackish and Grownish and Harvard and <laughs> it's a and lot. movies and I
0: mean I could ask you the same thing again it goes to what's been demonstrated I feel like I'm really lucky with our family there's so many different forms of support because of just how much everyone has done in the world so that if you ever need advice there's someone to provide it mm. they already knew I was such a nerd and they already knew that college was something that really mattered to me before I had even signed on to Grownish. If anything, I had finished my college applications. I had two weeks because it was during a blackish's break. And so wow. where most people spend months working on this, I had two weeks just on the couch writing. And as soon as I was done, mommy had turned to me like, oh yeah, Kenya Barris called. He had an idea for a spin-off, which one I thought she was kidding. I really thought my character was going to slowly disappear and come back in the form of laundry trips and other reasons why you see your college (laughs) kid. Had no clue it would ever be in the books to follow my character somewhere. And he had called her some days before. But the other thing that my parents have done and that my mother's done really intentionally is not let this career of ours get into the way of our lives. So there have been times when my brother has a straight up producer session for a show and she's like, yeah, he also has a basketball game and his team's depending on him. Mm. So, and what's funny though, is that oftentimes people haven't even thought to say that or to pose that question. And the amount of things that shift when you prioritize life, I think that's something she's taught us from the get-go because it didn't translate to a lack of opportunity. If anything, it allowed us to go live our lives and then come to this opportunity at the right time. But I say that to say she had waited to tell me she waited till I'd gotten through my college application. So that wasn't on my mind. And so I had a conversation about it. And, you know, how shows go, you could not even make it to script or pilot or you could get to pilot and not make it to series. And Mm -hmm, then you can get to series and not make it to the next season. And so. At first, I was really uncertain about whether or not I wanted to do it, knowing that college was such a big deal. But after talking through the concept, I was so excited by the stories that we could tell and the way it felt like a really cool and natural kind of evolution of my character from Blackish that it went from being like, "Mm," to an absolute yes. And so we filmed it in my gap year because I had graduated at 17. So we filmed it in my gap year. And when it was time to go to school, I still wasn't sure about the timing of things because, again, you never know if you're going to get a season two and that stuff comes late. And so I made my plans to go to school and it just so happened to collide with filming. You know, there was a second where I was considering taking some more time off from school, but I ended up sitting in a Cornell West class in my first week. Oh, wow. That brought me to tears. I was happy. I was all of the emotions. Um, And there was something about that where I was like, oh, no, I have to be here right now. I was supposed to be here at this given moment. It's not going to be the same if I do next year. And so that was when the juggling act began. That was when everyone then kind of on my team and on the show kind of went into overdrive to figure out how to make it work. I was just grateful that they knew it was so important to me that they did make it work in ways in which I think plenty of people have gotten the whole, well, you signed a contract. And even though it doesn't make sense to have a minor sign a six-year contract, that's just kind of how stuff runs. And so to have a ton of people in my life that saw beyond theoretically what the obligation was to let me go do this, it was really special.
2: You know, quite frankly, Yara, you are a terrifying young woman. You are so (laughs) accomplished. Just the way that you speak and like carry yourself, that couldn't have just been because you were surrounded by family members like Nas or listening to I Can. Like that is something that you worked for.
1: Yeah, like, what was you reading?
0: But I don't know. You haven't met our whole family. Yeah, what yeah. It? yeah what's it's the a, a whole tribe. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense when you get us all together. Yeah. But what was I reading? I mean, it started from when I was really little. You know, we didn't watch TV for more than, like, an hour on Saturdays growing up. I think it took until I was a series regular on a show where suddenly the TV was on during the week. Whoa. Wow. But... A lot of what I was reading was like, I think I had every Cinderella story from every culture, a lot of global folk tales and folklore. And then really, I think by the time I hit 13, again, going back to the impact of that Harvard trip was I had always been a nerd, always been a straight A student. But even with that, it just never felt like that was a possibility for me to even look that way, even though theoretically I had what you would consider it takes to be in that space. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was also my first time I just read Sonny's Blues by James Baldwin. And I remember being mm-hmm. in the center and being the first time I was seeing portraits of Baldwin and mm-hmm. seeing yeah. the art that had inspired me kind of collected in one place. But yeah, I feel like a lot of Baldwin, lots of audiobooks, lots of music in our house of using <laughs> War by Bob Marley to then teach us about who Haile Selassie is, all of that. But it really does come from our family. I think that would be cool if we recorded a family reunion because we're full of a lot of really yeah. special folks.
1: Very true.
0: would well, Benaz,
2: what do you remember? Because they were on the West Coast. You were on the East Coast. With the whole... Clan get together in Queensbridge, or was it kind of like country cousin, city cousin? Like, what were was we the in
0: Kentucky last time yeah. we got together? Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so far from Queensbridge, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we were in Chicago one time, it was Kentucky, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, these things go back before even Yara was born, like right. Natchez, mm-hmm. Mississippi, when I was a real young kid. Wow, and me and my mm-hmm. brother and my dad, we'd go out there and Carrie was young, and and Kevin, (laughs) and and we would hang out in Natchez, man. Mississippi, shout out to Natchez.
2: Explain, like, so what is the actual, um, who's sisters, brothers, sons, daughters? So
1: my pop, Oludara, his sister, Connie, is my aunt, of course, her grandmother. Yeah, got it. Her mother is my first cousin, and her uncle, Kevin. Her uncle, Kevin, still calls me little cuz. And then came along Yara, right? Who just stole the show immediately. I mean, just as really? a young kid, just stealing show. And then Said and the baby Asan. He's um he's not a baby. Okay. He's one year older than my son.
0: <laughs> he's taller than me now. Wow. Yeah.
1: And night, my son is taller than Destiny, mm-hmm. my daughter.
0: And now,
2: so Yara, you're actually contemporaries and buddies with Nas's son and daughter.
0: Yeah, so Destiny and I, I was actually laughing because I finally, I got my license very late. And the reason why this connects is because Destiny is the one that convinced me to wait because I was the first person she drove after getting her license in L.A. And we had, (laughs) 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 mommy sent us on a mission of like, okay, older cousin just got her license. Go get your nails done or something. So we were only going two miles away. When I think a car sideswiped us on the highway. Oh, we pulled off and we vowed never to speak about it for three years. <laughs> 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 and, and so once the time expired, I think people got the full story because we came back. I had no desire to drive. And I think our nails weren't done. So that was the first suspicious moment. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first suspicious moment. No.
2: Oh, my God. Were they using your car, Nas? Like, was
0: it like, don't scrape the no. wraith?
1: <laughs> no. She had her car. She had a license that had a
0: car. Oh, my goodness. I've been in the car with her since. Great driver. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God.
2: I almost want to know, Yara, how how do you kind of filter information? Like, what are your social media habits do you also have a way of approaching your diet of just like what comes into your brain?
0: Yeah, well, I was in conversation with Angela Davis a year ago or something. But the one thing she said that really, I think, stuck with me is the idea that information is not knowledge and it's important to not conflate the two. Mm. Wow! And so with that, I am trying to get better at social media. got off of Twitter, which I think freed up so much of my brain space because I think... The looming feeling of not knowing what Twitter was going to say about something meant that I was questioning the fact that I'm a thoughtful human being and that I usually think through most things that I do because there was this big question mark as to like, well, I could think something through. I could feel like I've assessed why this is the right move for me personally or how it's of benefit. But then somebody on Twitter could go say something. And that's the end of that. Wow. It wasn't allowing me to just thoroughly enjoy the choices I made or even deal with the choices that I made. And learn from them in any way. It wasn't accountability. It was just never knowing what was going to happen. But that was also a space in which I realized I was taking in a lot of other people's negativity too. It Mm -hmm. like it trains you to think a certain way. It trains you to think in like quips and like seeing how witty you can be. Yeah, and hot takes. And then Instagram. I'm still on Instagram too much, um, (laughs) but. It feels like a more the one perk of the algorithm is at least my page is a more wholesome place when I scroll (laughs) puppies, cat videos. (laughs) I mean, and then I'm trying to think of what else I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listened to I think the number was one hundred thirty thousand minutes of NPR. And that was just on the NPR app last year. So that didn't count the podcast app. And then just lots of music.
2: Give your cousin some advice. Like you're listening to all these podcasts. Nas, how many podcasts are you listening to?
1: Um, uh, yeah. Um.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having put None. in all those hours, what what should he do? Like what? Do you, <laughs> what's what makes a good podcast?
0: I think it's this. I think it's just the authentic conversation. I feel like what podcasts do is break open walls to things that you would have never been privy to hearing. When you get people that either know each other in a room or experts in a room, I feel like it's taking this information that used to kind of be highly privileged and intimate and letting somebody in. And that's at least what I love.
1: That's what I like about what we do. Doing this is so new for me, but I always wanted to have a place to sit down and talk to people and just have an open conversation, very regular, very normal, very yeah. easy. These are the things I do when I'm not doing this thing. Right. I'm trying to learn from people. I'm learning from you mm-hmm. right now because cause I haven't talked to you, man. I've been seeing you mm-hmm. in person or on screen since this whole pandemic thing. So this is already a blessing. This is already a dope mm-hmm. thing right now. So,
2: Well, Yara, it was such a pleasure to get to know you and you guys, your yeah. connection.
1: Very special. God-given talent, focus. Mm-hmm. Your journey is
0: beautiful. Thank you.
2: I think, like, the yeah. best advice that you've given Nas about the podcast is, you know, be interested. Yes. Right?
0: I have a feeling you would have been absolutely fine without that advice. <laughs> and this would be great. <laughs> anyway.
1: But thanks for believing <laughs> but, in me, cuz. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: hopefully we keep this going. Yep.
0: Continue mm. having fun
1: like we have today.
0: For sure. Thank yes. you, cuz. I can't wait to listen. That's going on my slate of all that I subscribe to. All the other oh, episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we in there. We in there. <laughs> we in there. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: On the next episode of The Bridge 50 Years of Hip Hop, we talk to Jada Kiss. Shiny suits. He had the shiny suits. He never felt comfortable one time wearing it. Mace loved it. cause he like, I'm going for the money. He had a plan what he was doing. I'm wearing this, whatever. He smiled. I'm riding it, him. yeah. When he looked in his dressing room and seen I shit on the hangar, he got cool. He knew what he was doing. Going for the money, guys. Don't mind me. From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvec and Jason Rodriguez with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi. And special thanks to Courtney Holt, Jessica Dow, and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life. From Mass Appeal, the executive producers are myself, Nas, Peter Bittenbender, Jinnia Meggs. Lead producer is Medina Pawana and associate producer is Serge Jabrija. Our writer is Gabe Alvarez. Samara Lenga and Cliff Cristofaro are our editors. Thanks for listening.